Isaiah 54 through 11. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turn not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. Amen. Thank you, Brenda. Well, good morning. It's a wonderful day today. Love this winter we're having and enjoying the, even though cold in the morning, lovely in the afternoon. Let me ask you a question. How are your ears? More than that, how's, how's your hearing? What's that like for you these days? You know, at my, at my home, I feel like the hearing or the ears of my family are getting worse and worse. I get a lot of, huh, and what, and did you say something, Dad? Uh, that floats around our house all the time. I get the sense that my children are not really interested in, in what I have to say a lot of times. And even if they nod their head and they say, I'm listening, uh, I, I find that they don't actually do what I've asked them to do. They listen, they hear, but they don't respond to what I'm saying. How are your ears? Kina's often says when we're talking that you never told me that. And I respond, I'm, I'm pretty sure I did, babe. Uh, I'm, maybe four times even. And I'm sure I do the same thing to her. I feel like all of us get easily distracted, that uh, our ears get full of wax, that we're not really listening, and we, we don't hear, and we don't listen well, and we don't respond to what we're hearing from the person speaking it to us. How are your ears this morning? In Isaiah 50, the Lord wants us to open up our ears. He wants us to hear from Him. And he wants us to listen and hear about his son, the servant, about who he is, to learn from him, to to follow him and his example, to 
see as we read the word the path of the servant. And so that's what I pray for us this morning. Let's just take a moment to pray and ask the Lord that we can hear from him. Father, I pray this morning, right now, this moment, that you will open our ears. Open our ears to your truth. Open our ears to what you have to say to us this morning. I know many of us uh, are distracted and we're tired. Uh, But I pray that you'll wake us up to hear what you have for us. That your Holy Spirit will speak to us and that you will uh, minister to us in a way that changes us. And Father, help us to hear your word and to, to see the way, the path of the servant. Because truly, we are your servants. And we want to follow the path that you have in store for us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We invite you this morning. And stir us up, we pray. In your precious name, amen. The, uh, the context of this uh, psalm, or of this uh, passage in Isaiah 50. The context of this is that it's the third of the servant songs. The servant songs are, are meant to speak forth about the coming Messiah. About who He is, about what He will do. about And we've been learning all along, He's our Savior. He is the one who will, de- will redeem and deliver. And that's what the servant songs are, and this is the third. One of the things I don't want you to miss in Isaiah 50, as we go through this passage, 4 through 11, I don't want you to miss who is the one who is giving, who is the one who is instructing, who is guiding, who is pouring out, who is vindicating. I don't want you to miss what is happening there. Because it is the Lord God, the sovereign Lord, who is with the servant and leading the servant all throughout this path, as he does with us. Adonai Jehovah is with you. Adonai Jehovah is bringing forth truth and light to guide you along the servant's path. I don't want you to miss it throughout Isaiah 50 as we go through it. Well, what's the servant's path? What does he have for us? Look at uh, verse 4 and look at part B, the servant's path. He wakens me morning by morning. And he wakens my ear. Again, how's your hearing? To listen like one being taught. Morning by morning. It has the idea of being eager to hear from the Lord. How are you doing this morning? Eager to hear? Not from me. I'm, a, I'm just a broken pot broken vessel. Hear from the Lord. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're up. Are you awake? Waking up. Wake up. He awakens my ear. It has the idea that he, he's stirring me up and he's, he's opened me up and, I, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what God has for me today. I hope when we come to worship, and again, sometimes we're just so exhausted, life is just so crazy, but I hope that you come to worship together corporately on Sundays because you're excited to hear what God has for you. And you're excited to give your praise to God that He would be glorified. That's what the servant is doing here. He opens up my ear. I'm excited to hear what He has in store for me. I'm like a student. And I'm open to to teaching. I'm open to being trained. I'm open to molding. 
Well, what keeps us from going on this path, this beautiful path into the Father's arms and hearing from Him and being taught from Him and being excited about what He's doing with you? What keeps us from that? eMarketer, which is a company that does surveys on what's going on in culture, did a recent survey and said, here's what's happening with mobile devices. That we are spending an average of five and a half hours a day on our digital media. And they did a specific study at Baylor University, actually with one of the, one of the, uh, the dorms uh, with uh, girls, the girls' dorm. <laughs> and here's what they found from these girls uh, at Baylor University. That they are using their cell phones an average 10 hours a day. 10 hours a day. 221 times a day they found themselves checking their phones for what's going on. Distracted. That's an average of 4.3 minutes checking their phone, checking their phone, checking their phone. What keeps us from listening to what God has for us, to entering in? I think one thing, we're just so distracted, aren't we? Wouldn't it be great if there was a cell phone free zone You know what? There actually is in America. There is. It's called the quiet zone. And it's it's as you're driving in Washington, D.C., if you're going west towards the Allegheny Mountains, you'll arrive in an area that's a national radio quiet zone, 13,000 square miles of radio silence. They have an amazing telescope there and digital uh, and it responds if there's cell phone or Wi-Fi service that will interfere with this sophisticated telescope. 13,000 square miles, quiet zone. The servant, morning by morning, got up, ears awakened, and he went into the quiet zone. And I just want to encourage that for you. I know what it's like. I mean, I have my cell phone right up here with me. We're easily distracted. Things all around us. we got so much media coming at us. We're just distracted. But morning by morning, like the servant rising up, saying, oh, I want to hear from you. I'm eager to learn. And so that's the question for all of us. How's, how's our time in the morning with the Lord? What does that look like for us? It's not to be a guilt trip, but to really think about it in our spiritual disciplines as we're Wanting, I know you're wanting to grow closer to the Lord. What is that like for you in the morning? I am not a morning person at all. I'm very much an evening person. One of the things Mark and Adrienne uh, did with their uh, team, uh, the, the rescue team, we met uh, last week, and it was great. So they just did these quick questions about each other so we could learn about each other a little bit. But one of the questions, are you a morning or evening person? And a lot of us are evening people. And then there's quite a few who are morning people. But, you know, no matter what time you get up in the morning or if you're functioning really well, I think the challenge is, are we getting up and are we taking time to say, you know what, before I do anything else, I want to go in the quiet zone. And I want to be with my Lord because I'm eager to learn what He has for me today. That's whether you're a morning or evening person. I think it's best in the morning because 
the day gets full of distractions. And so to step in and with the Lord. You know, one of the things I've just done recently, just this last week, I joined a, a, a men's uh, Bible study group, small group of men. There's six of us. It meets 6 a.m. on Monday mornings. You think Mondays are bad in general? 6 a.m. on Monday morning. I'm like, guys, seriously, really? This is the only time you had? This is the only time we have. And not only that, but it's way out west. It's like, uh, it's like by Spring, whatever that golf course is out there. Um, Spurwing. It's out by Spurwing, which is way far. I live close here. So it's a good 15-minute drive. 6 a.m. on Monday mornings. And I went for the first time last week, and you know what? My, uh, just my socks were blessed off. I just loved it. Loved being in the Word. I actually, you know what I was amazed by? There's actually a lot of people up that early in the morning. <laughs> you, you people are incredible. I didn't even know the day was going on. It's, it's amazing. But just to hear from the Lord, morning by morning, this is the path of the servant. And you know what? We get this wonderful time. It's the beginning of 2018. And to really take time to consider what is my devotional time, my entering the quiet zone, my waking up morning by morning, what does that look like for me? And, and let me just recommend to you, I love Timothy Keller. I, just, I think he's just a great pastor, author. Timothy Keller has a couple of devotionals out with his wife, Kathy. One is on the Psalms that's been out for a little while. It's blue. You, you can find it at Barnes & Noble or anywhere, Amazon. Uh, and then he just put this one out on the Proverbs. And so for the last year, I've been getting up first thing in the morning, and I've been going through the Psalms, and now I'm starting to, to go through the Proverbs. First thing, before I do anything else. I'm trying to, again, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm trying to develop that spiritual discipline, like the servant, morning by morning, waking up and enjoying the Lord. And so I commend this unto you, to take some time uh, and be in the Word as the servant was to trust and to hear from him, eager to hear what he has for your time. The servant listens. The servant brings a word for the weary. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught. He has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word for the weary. Him who is weary. You know, Israel was a weary people, weren't they? They were weary from their sin. They are weary from their brokenness. They are weary from being lost. I love that first song this morning. When we're lost and wandering. You know, they're weary. But God draws them right in. And God sustains them. God gives them strength for the day. They need a word that has an answer for their sin and their brokenness. The Lord, the Sovereign Lord, look who gives, the Sovereign Lord gives me, the servant, Jesus, a word for a people in the season of weariness. And that's really the language. It's, it's in a season of weariness. And the thing that's amazing about it is the servant, Jesus, what do we know about Him? He is the Word. He is the Word. And His Word is powerful. His Word is life-changing. 
The servant has been given a word for the weary in this season of trial and, and difficulty and brokenness. How can we be like the servant? You know, sometimes we shy away, don't we, from... We, we'll show up with people and we'll bring encouraging words or supportive words. But I think a lot of times, and I find this in myself sometimes, that, that I won't bring the word, which is powerful. And sometimes my hesitation, and maybe it's like this for you, sometimes my hesitation is, I don't want to be too Christianese, you know? I don't, I don't want to offer that out and they just say, oh, that's the pat answer for this situation. But I think we have to get over that. Because the Word of God brings hope and encouragement for the weary. Remember Hebrews 4.12? Right? The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It's living and active. Just speaking it, it starts to penetrate our hearts. And so bring a word for the weary. See, the words of God bring life and comfort to the people. As you, go to the, as you go to the hospital to visit your friends, again, it's good just to be there and just to sit and to pray. But bring the Word. Bring the Word. Bring the truth. Bring the Psalms, especially. The Psalms are the, are the cry of the soul. The Psalms are these wonderful prayers. It's a reminder that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Bring the Psalms and sit with people it's a season of weariness, especially those who are close and, and they're shut in or they're in the hospital. Yesterday, actually, I spent quite a bit of time. My good buddy, Greg, Alexander, and JB, their dad, Alex, is about to go be with Jesus. So they called yesterday and said, he's got about 24, 48 hours. So I went and sat with them yesterday, and, and so we just had time just encouraging each other and just talking about Alex. But I just felt like the Lord was asking me just to read the scriptures to Alex. And so I actually broke out Revelation 21 just to remind him of where he's going. And he's kind of out of it, right? I know that. But I also know the words living and active. They can break through no matter if you're out of it or not. And so I reminded him of this new city, a new heaven, a new earth, and, and, and God's going to be at the center of it. There is no temple because the Lamb is the, the one who we are worshiping. He's the light. And He's prepared a place for you, Alex. And I just reminded him of that. The Word, bring it to a people in a season as they're weary. It brings life. I just want to bring a good word for you today, if you're weary. It's out of... It's out of Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if you're weary this morning, what Jesus is saying is, come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dr. Paul Brand and, and Philip Yancey commented on this, and it was encouraging for me as I was, as I was thinking upon Matthew eleven twenty eight about what this passage actually means. And 
they say, you know, it's interesting in this passage, it seems to contradict itself. It says, come to me, you're weary, but, and I'm going to give you rest. But then the paradox is, so put this yoke on you. The yoke, that, that heavy wooden support that helps you, the ox, to carry the plow, to pull the plow. It seems paradoxical. I'm weary. Here, put this yoke on. And there's a wrestling there. And an understanding. A lot of times we'll say, well, it's because, it's because Jesus takes the yoke, so he carries the burden. But what Dr. Brandon and Philip Yancey say is, I, I think there's a lot more to it than that. Dr. Brandon said in India, he worked as a surgeon, and he worked with patients who had leprosy. And one of the things that he needed to find out is he needed to work backwards. Like, why is the tissue starting to, to fail? Why are they losing their sensitivity in the tissue? Why is it starting to disintegrate? And, and he, as he watched people in India, as he worked with them as a doctor, one of the things he found is that, especially on their feet, even the smallest little uh, bump or pebble or anything would rub. It would cause this stress on the skin. They wouldn't feel it. And then there would be all kinds of sores and, and uh, deterioration of the feet. And he says, I was amazed at the damage, that just a small stress like that, how much damage it could do when we, when we just have that constant pressure in that one place. We know people who had to lie in bed and they get bed sores. Why? Because there's pressure in that one place. And he says, at the same time, as I was in India, I realized that, you know what? There's the opposite of that. Too little stress on the living tissue also affect it. Cells need exercise. Without it, there's atrophy, right? Any of us who've had a cast, we know that. When we get that cast off, it's hard to move. We, we've lost our strength. He said there was an Indian spiritualist who, in India, he decided for 20 years that he was going to have his, his hand, his right hand up above his head as a religious practice. For him, it was something very significant to do this. 20 years up here. He said that arm whittled away, the hand tightened up, became like a ping pong paddle, stiff and couldn't move, rigid. It didn't have any stress. It didn't have any movement upon it to move the cells and to get things flowing. And so he says, you know what? While I was in India at the hospital, because there's a lot of cattle over there who pull the plow, a lot of oxen, he worked He worked on yokes. He carved out yokes with his other doctors because they had farmland. Everybody has farmland. And they carved out yokes. And he goes, here's something that I learned. If you carve out a yoke that's just flat and square and you put it on the oxen around its neck, all of a sudden it gets sores all over its neck and it, it, it can't function anymore. So what you have to do is you have to come to your animal and you have to measure out its neck and what it's like and then you carve out a yoke that's rounded and smooth you make it where it doesn't have any rough edges where it fits snugly yet it's it's spread out across the animal evenly 
And he goes, then you place that yoke upon that animal, and it can continue to work and pull that plow for as many years as it will live without any of those great stresses. It still has the weight, but it's balanced out, and it's smooth on his neck. Come take my yoke upon you. It doesn't mean I'm going to give you rest, and then there's nothing, you know, you're just going to be lazy and rest there. We atrophy spiritually, right, if we do that. No, this yoke is going to be placed on you. Come and take my yoke. I place it on you. I will give you rest. Come and, remember what we said? Come and learn from me. This is the path of the servant. You see, that which was crushing you, that which was causing sores all over you, you couldn't function anymore, I'm going to lift that up and I'm going to give you my yoke. It's light. But learn from me. And then we know the truths of Jesus. He does walk with us. It's a word for the weary. And I pray this morning, if you're weary, that you will come and receive the yoke from Jesus. That you will come and be renewed and strengthened from him. The servant brings a word to the weary. And the servant places that perfect yoke upon us and walks with us. But the path of the servant is well is that of suffering. For the Lord God, look at verse 5. He's opened my ears. The Lord God has done this. Once again, who's with me? The sovereign Lord. Adonai Jehovah has opened my ears. And I have not been rebellious. What does that mean? What's the opposite of rebellion? I've been obedient. I've heard from you. I've heard your course. It's like Tom and Melissa, right? They sat, they went to that quiet zone and they went and listened to the Lord. And the Lord led them to this place in Turkey. They know it's going to be difficult. They know it's going to be challenging. They got to learn a whole new language. They're going to deal with people who don't want to hear about Jesus at all and actually are enemies of God. I heard from the Lord, he opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I was obedient. That too is a path for the servant, that we live in obedience. I have not turned backwards. Basically what that's saying is, I didn't avoid the path of suffering. I didn't try to do, go around all that I was going through. All that God had for me. As we look at these next verses, it's really the, the passion of Christ. It's Easter week. Hebrew prophecy that's spoken in the past tense. And as we study this, that's one of those good questions. Why is this in the past tense? Hebrew prophecy spoke in the, in the past tense because it has the idea, this has been done for you. Amen. Amen. This has been done for you. Your servant is going to come. He's going to be your Savior. He's going to be taking the whips and the lashes for our sin. He's going to die on the cross for our sin, and He's going to rise again. This has been done for you. It's the path of the servant to suffer. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace or from spitting. Here's what you got to understand about this passage. Did He just 
on a whim, all of a sudden, just go through this suffering? Did they take control of him and everything's out of control and it was spontaneous? Are you kidding? The servant knew his course. The servant knew his path. I gave my back. I gave my back. I, in full authority, in full power, I gave my back to them. That's the suffering servant for us so that we might have life, so our sins might be forgiven. I knew that the path of the servant was suffering. That's what the Father told me. And so I gave my back to it. I didn't try to do an end-around run in football. I went right up the middle. I saw that middle linebacker right there who wanted to crush me, and I went right into him. And that's the path for us. You understand that, right? We suffer with Christ. Peter says, why are you surprised at your sufferings? This is the course. This is the path of the servant, of the disciple of Jesus Christ. None of us are immune from suffering. But take my yoke, because it's light. And you're going to keep going the course. And I'm going to walk with you. He gave his back. And we will face the same. But here's the good news. Look at verse 7. Once again, you can't miss who's doing what here. The sovereign Lord. Look at verse 7. I'm taking all this. I'm taking the spitting. I'm taking the mocking. But the sovereign Lord, He helps me. He's my strength. We sang this morning, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He gives us joy even in the middle of the suffering. And He's our strength. The sovereign Lord helps me. He tells me my course. He leads me. I follow in obedience. I didn't rebel against that. And as I go down this path, guess what? He helps me. Anytime I'm going to bring a word for the weary, which is the good news of Jesus and His life-giving truth, anytime I bring that, guess what? There's going to be attack. You know that at work. You know that with some of your family. But the Lord has directed me this way. And so I respond in obedience, and I go this course. I go the way of the servant, and God helps me. You've got to understand, this is the promises of God to us and to his servant. You think the Lord's abandoned you? That was their cry last week, right? You've abandoned us. He's like, are you kidding? I walk with you every inch of the journey. You see, it's the Lord God who defines what is shameful and what is disgraceful. If he's pleased with me, if the Lord God is for me, what do the scriptures say? Then who can be against me? They're saying this is shameful. They're saying I'm shameful, the servant. They spit at me and they mock me and they beat me. Shameful, disgusting. We want nothing to do with it. They don't define what is shameful and disgusting. God does. Truth is, he's pleased with me. And if God is for me, there can be none against me. The Lord God is my help. And so I set my face like flint. He vindicates me. And look at verse 9 again. I'm going through all this. There's people who are coming against me. But verse 9, Behold, the Lord God helps me. 
Listen, people. Open up your ears to what God is saying to you this morning. The path of the servant is one who listens to God and His promises. The path of the servant is that we bring a word for the weary. The path of the servant is that we will suffer. And what He's wanting you to hear is, but Adonai Jehovah, the Sovereign Lord, is our help through it. And this is our course. We don't get out of it. We all go through it. We all have seasons. And so less people who live as servants of Jesus Christ, following the Lord. And the final thing I see in this chapter is that the servant trusts in the Lord. Look at verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on His God. The path of the servant is one that trusts. Trust in the name of the Lord. We, we, we sang again. Great songs this morning, Adrian. I mean, they're really just boom, right here. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Powerful. The name of the Lord. We can trust, we can trust in His character and who He is and who He says He what He's going to do, and He keeps His promises. He's our firm rock. This is who the Lord is. We can trust in Him. We can rely on Him. To rely, to trust upon, and, and rely on Him, it, it has the idea of we can lean into Him. The root is, is like a staff. He's a staff that we can lean into. When we're going on this rugged terrain, so I put all my weight into Him. Are you putting all your weight into Adonai, Jehovah, that you can trust Him as He leads you down this path? Are you able to do that? He is the one who leads you. Lean in. He is the one who is our light. Do you know the oldest lighthouse in America? Do you know where that is? Anybody? Boston. Actually, just, just last year, well, actually two years now, 2016, they had celebrated their 300th year of the Boston Lighthouse. And the thing that's interesting is it was actually built in 1716. And then in 1776, the British destroyed it. They tried to take out the light. And then it got rebuilt. And that lighthouse stands firm today. And there's the 70th now caretaker and the one who runs the lighthouse. 70th. And today at nighttime, as a ship comes by and there's rocks out there, they can trust that lighthouse, that it's showing them the way and the path. And this is what the Lord is saying to his servant I'm the light. You can lean into me, you can trust me. I am lighting your path which is true and right and correct. Follow this. Follow my way. Tim Keller writes in his book on prayer, he says this, about the character of God and what we can trust in. Speech act theory, he says, makes a convincing case that our words are not only convey information, they get things done. However, God's words have power infinitely beyond our own. God's words are identical with His actions. 
we humans say, let there be light in the room. But first, we have to make sure the room's been properly wired. Then we have to walk across the room and we've got to flick on the light. Or we go to the cabinet and we grab a candle. Our words need deeds to back them up. And they can fail to achieve their purposes. But I love what he says here. God's words, however, they cannot fail in their purposes because for God, speaking and acting are the same thing. When God speaks, it's action. God's our firm foundation. We can trust in him. We can lean into him. He is our light. And when he says, then he says stop trying to light, light your own torches. That just leads to nothing but destruction. Stop going down that path. That's not the path of the servant. It leads to torment. You're trying to fix everything. You're trying to do life on your own. I'm in control. I've got this. When I'm going through the struggles, I'm going to figure out a way out. I light my own torch. And basically, we're worshiping idols again, which is ourselves. He says, don't go down that path. Go down the path. Listen to my word, because my word is a lamp unto your feet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And I pray that we heard you this morning. Pray that you used me, a broken vessel, to, to speak forth your truth, to remind us of the path of the servant. And Father, help us to, to be a people who listen, a people who bring a good word to the weary. Help us to be a people who go through suffering with you. And may we come to you and take your yoke. And Father, may we, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to lean into you. You are the firm foundation. You are our light unto our path. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, amen.